Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. We are in full pandemic mode with all of us self-quarantining with coronavirus and COVID-19. And as a Nickish co-founder, I want to do whatever I can to make sure that the world is being saved. And I think I know exactly what to do to save the world right now. And that is to bring back my brother who co-founded the Nickish show with me, uh, who hasn't been on an episode since 2019. And maybe maybe that's why what's going on is is going on so i'm excited welcome back to the show co-founder of nickish again my brother mr nafi how you doing man welcome back yep appreciate the warm welcome like i mean first of all son i leave for a little bit he's like he's let the world go to shit that's just got what happened that's what happened <laughs> yo that's you shouldn't have left uh, on to bigger and better uh, yeah. things right yeah like y'all can't remember to like fucking turn the stove off after daddy leave the house. Like, that's, that's what happened. Like just they had a gas fire. Just some shit blew up. Fucking come on now. I gotta come in and clean y'all mess up. But uh, nah, nah. On <laughs> some real shit though. Nah, it's cool to be back. I was just telling you before we started recording. This shit is just this shit feels fun. You know what I mean? Um, for our listeners that probably wasn't aware, um, I had to bow out. Um. I want to say gracefully, but I had to bow out just because life got a little too real at one point. And, you know, those of us that are in the corporate world could probably relate. You know what I mean? Just um, shit piles up and then shit you would love to do, you got to put aside for a minute. But, yo, I mean, it it ain't the best of times, but it ain't exactly the worst of times yet. But I'm here to prevent that. You know what I mean? To do my part with my Nickish brother to prevent the worst of times from becoming reality. So... Maybe maybe this will help our listeners fucking get through this a little, a little easier, a little, a little better. You know what I mean? So if 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 the Nickish duo had to re- reunite, we're here. COVID to fucking get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like this, you know what I mean? Let's, why not? It's worth a shot because uh, like the White House ain't doing fucking shit. I know that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yo, if we get into politics, we can be honest all day. But really, yo, man, with no sports going on, there's only so much Netflix. There's only so much fucking money heist that I can watch. I, uh, what 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 have you been doing to keep yourself occupied? How is Money Heist anyway? You know, it's it's not that it's not that bad. It's it's ranked in the top ten shows on Netflix for some reason, but there are a lot of plot holes I have noticed. So I I kind of stopped at season. I noticed like you notice that all the top ten shows on Netflix, like nine out of ten of them be Netflix shows. That shit is a scam, bro. Their shows are their shows are actually pretty good. Um, like. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Netflix got fire shows, but they, they're like volume shooters. They did J.R. Smith, the content creators. They'll throw <laughs> out like a thousand shots and like maybe 20 of them would be super fire. You know what I mean? But then they, they, you go through the Netflix shows and movies, there's some shit you forgot, you didn't realize it existed. You know, if you like, watch, like, like, <laughs> you know, if you watch all the Netflix shows, you'll, it'll go past your lifetime. Like that's how many shows, that's you know, how many hours of worth of content that they have now. It's crazy. You remember? You remember how, like, on the Xbox 360, they had the Achievement Unlocked? If you watch all the Netflix shows, you get that shit on your screens. as Achievement Unlocked. Nah, I, I'm, a, I'm a straight PlayStation no guy. Life. Yo, if you're, if you're listening to this and you want to get the work on PS4 2K, 
Add me on PSN. MHAQE0211 if you try to get the work. That's very insensitive. It's quarantine, COVID makes it tough for people to afford such luxuries. So what if they don't got PSN Plus? How insensitive of you? Yeah, I can't afford PSN Plus. You make me feel broke right now. This is how you how you do me. I come back. This is the warm reception I get. You want me to donate you the ten dollars for PSN Plus for the month? I got you. I'll, I'll, you trying to get I'll the work too? I'll, I'll I'll I got you on the money. Ten bucks. I got plenty of work at work, but I'll happily enjoy. You know. Whooping your ass and whatever game you. you what what team would you play with on two K? On two K? Yeah, right now, if you were to play. I mean, if two K actually like, if the two K like fucking company cared about their servers and actually did regularly play online, because I don't know how people play that shit all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. That shit is like it's either lagging, or like the like it's just like you play dudes that just play like dickheads. You know what I mean? But, um. I mean, obviously, the easy answer is Knicks, right? You would you like, would play with if, the Knicks? I take pride in playing with the Knicks just because, like, we've been so bad for so many fucking years, bro. You already know that, like, if I whoop somebody's ass with them, it just is all the more satisfying. You know what I mean? Um, it was much more fun when Melo was on the team, though, because, mm-hmm. like, if everybody else sucked, at least you get, like, 60 points from Melo, but you can't do that shit no more. Um, I don't know. I, feel, I, I like playing with the Clippers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kawhi's always fun to play with. Like, well, what's your 2K team? What's your go-to? You know, honestly, right now, I'd, I'd probably go with the Lakers. LeBron is a lot of fun to play with, and just posting up with AD, it's like a cheat code. Yeah, but then, like, that's I feel like I'm saying a LeBron team, that's a, that's a cop-out. And like, a Kawhi Leonard like, team, isn't 2K it? Team? Not really. You know what I mean? Because it's like... Imagine, like, okay, like, a couple years ago, if you picked a LeBron team, you were the supreme dickhead on a 2K server. I'm talking about his Miami days. Yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) I won a tournament. Yo, I won an actual 2K tournament with the Miami (laughs) Heat-LeBron-led team. How they— When you say dickhead, that's me. I'm dickhead. That should have been a baseline rule. (laughs) Just like, okay, you could play in this tournament, but you can't play the Miami Heat. Why? How'd you—how'd they let that happen? You won, like, a raffle? (laughs) We actually did a raffle, and I got the first pick. That's funny as shit, bro. You know how wild that is? Yo, when people talk about just, like, this is the revisionist history. Like, I fuck with the Golden State Warriors, like, their dynasty, but this is the revisionist history about their dynasty that I hate is that people saying they're the most unfair. Bro, it's like people forget Miami existed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, think about the sentence you just told me. Y'all had to have a raffle to pick who could use the video game team of Miami in a video game tournament. You know how wild that is? That's respect to me. You know what I mean? So, like, when people talk about Golden State was unfair, nah, Miami just happened before that. Everybody thought that was unfair. You know yeah, what I mean? no. So. I mean, Golden State, as as much as it sucked to see them win for so many years, they, they built themselves naturally, but minus KD, of course. But they won 73 games without KD, with every player for the most part was drafted. So, that, that, that doesn't make much sense to me. Miami, he obviously, you know, they kind of – that that, oh, that yeah. that's I mean, a, that's a whole conspiracy idea. My, no, my thing is it's like if you're gonna hate one, you should hate the other. You know what I mean? My point is I don't care. Like I don't hate. I, I mean I hated Miami, but then I saw the error of my ways. And I was just like, why why am I hating these dudes? Because if it was the Knicks, I wouldn't be mad. You know what I mean? I'd be happy. It's just hypocritical. So my thing is like when Golden State came around, I was like, okay, they're a monstrous super team. I didn't get to enjoy the Miami era to the fullest because I was spending too much time hating them. Why am I going to 
deprive myself of basketball enjoyment and fucking hate them. I hate these dudes. You know what I mean? Because like once KD got there, I was like, yo, this is a fucking video game. Yeah. Why is everybody complaining? You know what I mean? Like, tell me not in the back of your mind. You're just like, I do want to see what it would be like if fucking Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry was on the same team. You know what I mean? Yeah, I felt bad that I didn't get to appreciate LeBron James' greatness for those years while he was in Miami. I didn't, oh, yeah. Looking back on it that now, ass, he was... You know, it's it's without a shadow of a doubt, he is you know the goat. Maybe you know outside mm-hmm. of, outside of Jordan, but um, I I wish I got to appreciate him more. But when he when he left and went back to Cleveland, I think twenty sixteen LeBron was one of the fav- my, my most favorite players to watch play. He was insane. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean that like obviously three one fucking that that's a that's a comeback like of a lifetime. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I just bring up Miami just because like. Well, first of all, you brought up KD, just like him coming to a 73-win team. And, like, with Miami, the comparison I like is how people compare it to, like, a startup. You know what I mean? Like, a startup IT company where it's just, like, they're not – it wasn't like LeBron joined, like, an established dynasty. You know what I mean? Or, like, a team that just won a ring. He joined two other great players to start a dynasty. KD went to a team that just won a ring, like, two years prior, right? Yeah. So I bring that up just because, like – I don't know if you saw, but, like, uh, Ethan Strauss, he's, like, a Golden State Warriors writer. He put out a book about just, like, that whole run. And a lot of it is just, like, shining a light on how much of a bitch-ass motherfucker that KD is. You talking about the, <laughs> talking about the 73-win team, or are you talking about KD's first season? Uh, no, I'm talking about just, like, that entire Golden State era. Yeah. Ethan Strauss, who's, like, on an NBA Twitter. If you're a Nickish listener, you're probably aware of fucking NBA Twitter, but Ethan Strauss is, like, the guy in terms of just, like, Golden State Warriors writing and reporting. So he was there since, like, Curry was, like, a rookie, right? So he just put out this book. Literally, it's not even out yet. It's coming out two days from now. And in the book, I saw tweets about it. It's just, like, people posted screenshots of it. It's, like, excerpts literally with quotes and, like, um, fucking first-hand accounts of KD during his Golden State run. And, bro, it makes him seem worse than he actually is. I'm talking about this is a dude that it's already publicly known that he got burner accounts mm-hmm. to defend himself. There are there, Some of the quotes I've seen from this book that actually happened, yo, I don't even know why the fuck we wanted this dude on our team, man. He's the most, it's the most bitch-ass seen shit I've ever seen. You want you want me to give you a preview of some of the shit I've seen? Let's, like, let's hear him. <laughs> I'm willing to share. Do it. <laughs> All right, so there's this one quote where it was just like, the whole overarching theme of the KD section in this book apparently is just like KD was salty that um the Golden State fans didn't embrace him as like a savior. You know what I mean? And that trickled over when like Mar- you remember Maurice Spites? You know who that yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. The fucking ball guy. He was he was a bench player when when the Warriors won their first title, yeah. right? And he was gone after that. So there was like a game where he was a, whatever team he was on came to visit KD and the Warriors. And the F- Golden State fans just loved him. You know what I mean? They called him, like, Mo Buckets. They, like, serenaded him. Yep. And KD was salty about this. He <laughs> <laughs> was just like, wh- like, why is he calling Mo Buckets? He never fucking averaged 20 points. That's a direct quote. <laughs> That's a direct quote in this book, bro. And I'm just looking at it. I was like, yo, why the fuck did we pine for this dude for a year? Like, obviously, it's because he's a great player. But it's just like, it puts shit in perspective. Like... No matter how good you are at basketball, your personality flaws will always shine through, and that is some bitch ass shit, bro. Yeah. Who doesn't love M- M- Marie Spites? You know what I mean? Like, where, what a dumbass where, where is he playing nowadays? Where, where is most space? I think he's on the Clippers, or maybe in China. Um, 
Well, shit. I mean, you might be bagging groceries at Walmart with a mask on right now. I mean, I don't know. I swear <laughs> to God, I don't know. Um, I hope he's healthy and happy right now. I hope his family is quarantining smart. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, but nah, it was just we brought up fucking LeBron in Miami. I was just thinking like if that book is coming out April nineteenth, I think that's in my Amazon cart already. So T, I hope Ethan actually. I don't know if he's a Nickish listener, but if he is, I hope he likes that we just plug this shit. But if you wanna, it seems like if you wanna find out more about how much of a bitch ass motherfucker KD is, cop that book. And I might just just do this, do that. <laughs> what else are we doing yeah, in quarantine? Like, actually, that brings my next question. You been you been doing any reading during quarantine? Well, what's on the uh, the Mo reading list? Yeah, actually, um, nothing like sports related. Uh, the, uh, Ray Dal Ray Dalio wrote a book called Principles. It's pretty good. Uh, I was watching a video okay. with him and P Diddy, and they were talking about it. I'm like, shit, P Diddy's trying to read it and talk about it. I'm I'm gonna read it. So I got that. Um, the Sympathizer is this book about like this double agent guy from Korea. Uh, sorry, Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Um, That's two different nations, brother. You just offended one of our. You uh, you either offended a Korean I, listeners. I, or I wasn't Vietnam sure. Listeners. I forgot which which war I was about. Uh, <laughs> I'd apologize to both. You, you know you know the fucking climate we're in right now. Our Vietnamese listeners, we are sorry. Korean listeners, we are also sorry. That's courtesy of Mo. Yeah. Do you, do you call sign that a, that apology? Yeah, hundred percent, man. I don't want I don't want this shit to come back. We're we're in a we're in an era where everybody fucking quotes everybody and trying to cancel them out. I don't want this to come back in when, six. Months. When motherfuckers try to cancel Dave Chappelle's, when I'm just like, ah, right, this cancel this cancellation movement is just fucking retarded. Dave Chappelle, are you kidding me? You saying retarded <laughs> is gonna come back to bite you in the ass in three years? Uh, yeah, apparently it's the <laughs> R word now. I mean. I got a brother. Are you trying to be GM of the Knicks? Somebody, some asshole's gonna pull this up on a burner account. I mean, I was just gonna say that I got a brother whose first name starts with an R. Um, yeah. Um, what the fuck was he talking about? Books, books. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. Yeah, and um, I, I I've been reading Kobe's book. Um, and there's always you know so much knowledge you can learn from it. Speaking of which, like, uh, he died. Yeah. Speaking of which. Yeah, we just took a really <laughs> dark turn here, but. I that you was know, le- that was the hardest left turn you could probably take. Speaking of Kobe, <laughs> that man is, is is in a grave right now. What you thought? <laughs> my man, my man Mo with the swiftest, smoothest transitions. <laughs> uh, you you know you know we've recorded a handful of episodes in 2020 and none of them was about Kobe. I couldn't watch his tribute. I uh you know Beyonce apparently sang in it and. They brought back they brought Wiz Khalifa to do his thing uh, when someone passes away, and I I couldn't watch it, man. And you and I we grew up together, and we we talked and played so much like Kobe, watched so much Kobe, tried to do his fadeaways, uh, tried to do all the crazy shots, and uh, you know it's it's been three months, and it's still I still can't believe it, you know. Dog, like, what more need to be said? You know what I mean, like. That's Kobe motherfucking Bryant, you know. Um, rest in peace, cause we did. I didn't get a chance to at least say it publicly yeah. on the airwaves, but shit, you fucking hit me up when he when um when Kobe passed, mm-hmm. and ironically enough, dog, it's like I was on vacation, you know what I mean? So to see that news on vacation, literally the childhood idol, you know what I mean? Like of mine and probably of 
billions across the fucking world. That's for sure. It it, it was surreal, but it was also just like, you know what was fire? Like, he's gone from our team. Rest in peace, Marcus Morris, L.A. Clipper. You know? Yeah. <laughs> His remnant he's is still the first alive, guys. If you're not really a big follower, he is still alive. No, no, no. Rest, rest in peace, Marcus Morris. He was reincarnated as a first-round pick for, you know, via the L.A. Clippers to the Knicks. But um, he, he had the best fucking quote. Like, during that emotional, just like that 24 hours, that first 24 to 48 hours after Kobe passed. You got to say that, the, that surreal pick. Yeah. Yeah, he I was just like, yo, Superman's not supposed to die. What, yeah, that, was, that shit hit home. He was Superman not only to me, not only to you, but just like obviously billions across the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. That man was just like, like this weekend they drop in the Jordan documentary. Mm-hmm. Kobe was our Jordan. You know, as much as LeBron is probably in that argument as a top two player of all time, I'm talking about culturally in terms of just like boyhood, just being idolizing that person, like him being tied to just how we like. Our demeanor, how we, not even just how we play ball, but just how we approach just life. And that's not on some stand shit. I feel like that's, like, legit. Kobe had that kind of effect on people. I feel like Kobe was that to our generation. Like, how it was, like, how it was, how Michael was to, like, the previous generation, Kobe was that to us. Yeah, you know 100%. I mean? And, like, for me, I was even more invested to see what he was going to do after the NBA. Because, because I feel like you and I can relate more to what he does post-NBA. Because it doesn't, it didn't seem like he was trying to be a coach or a general manager at that time in his life he was trying to be a good father but I was all I really wanted to see how he was going to approach life you know at, at the age of 40 or, or 39 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot what age he was um and it was like that I was watching I, I think I was watching an interview with him the day before with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson they were just you know they were just talking shit and it was there's so much to learn from him and that you know, just that missed opportunity that we're now not we're not able ever gonna able to know what he does really post basketball. I'm sure it it probably would have been greater than what he does as an NBA player maybe, with with the with the sheer will that he has, the way he takes on life. That's that's what I, you know, really wish that we could have seen. Yo, ironically enough, it's just like you could probably relate. It's just like my girl, like she knows I love basketball. She but she like. Yo, so my girl knows I love basketball, obviously, but it's just like, there was, you know, like you you guys obviously relate to this. It's like to an extent, they can relate to that, to the our love of basketball, to only to a certain extent. It was just Kobe passing, where it's just like they, my girl realized how fucking ingrained, not even basketball, just like Kobe's influence was and who I was as a person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's like. Tra- it, it, it's sad that it took tragedy for just like that to become clear, but since I feel like that's the case for a lot of people, a lot of dudes out there. And, and I don't mean to be sexist. It's probably chicks out there, like, pardon, girls, women out there. <laughs> you know our climate now. Whatever, cancel me. I just made my return appearance. Whoever is out there, cancel me. Go ahead. But whatever, male, female, whatever gender you claim, non-binary, binary, whatever. You, you could probably be out there relating to just like the effect Kobe had on you, just as like not only just playing ball, but just like your your work work ethic as a fucking human being, you know? Just like the well, my my girl wasn't like familiar with Kobe, but her the biggest thing that probably shocked her the most, or not shocked, but just like impressed her the most, and just like really resonated with her was just like hearing that Kobe, he was so in love with Vanessa that he just taught himself how to play a song on the piano, just to like. You know, press Vanessa. You know what I mean? Something along those lines. 
And it's just like that kind of like will, that like almost sociopathic like <laughs> desire to just be great at something. That's, I mean, obviously nobody wants to be a sociopath in real life, but just like you adapt that to just like work, mm-hmm. like just making my fucking nine to five like desk job just exciting for me to just like be motivated to just like go to work every day. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of effect Kobe has. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if you could relate, but that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, know? it's just it's just the way you take on life with the sheer like. Like it is as cliche and corny as it sounds. That never give up attitude is was a hundred percent real with Kobe, and you know where everybody is is always gonna refer to the torn Achilles. You know, not that many. No one goes up after a torn Achilles and takes two free throws and walks back on their own two legs to you know tail the tail. And it's like that that kind of pure perseverance and will and just love for a sport or even a thing. It's not common, and we you see it with Jordan, and you see it with Kobe, people who are just obsessed with perfecting their craft, and it applies to whatever your craft is, whatever your interests are, and for Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys in, who's going to go down in history who was someone who would work endlessly to perfect their craft, and it was a never-ending you know ending journey for him. Awesome, real shit. I saw the fucking comparison on Twitter. It's just like... The world went to shit. No, not even a comparison, but it was just like the world went to shit as soon as yeah. Kobe passed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like how fucking if fucking Goku died in Dragon Ball Z and then the villain showed up, that's exactly what happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like the fucking Android saga when Goku gets that virus. He's about to be on his fucking deathbed. The Android show up and just fuck up the rest of the characters. That's what COVID's doing the rest of us. Kobe's in heaven. He can't help. You know what I mean? Like if it's... It, the ma- the mambo is our guardian and just like he he had to he had to leave he had to he obviously unfortunate passing and then now with the rest of us is like left to fend for ourselves yeah. bro and i think even harder was when i found out that his daughter died with him i think i think him bro. him dying was already a shock and i'm like nah kobe bryant is is our superman he can't die and then he died and i'm like all right fine i was starting to accept that and then throughout the day as fucked up as it was TMZ, everybody was reporting all these wild things. They were trying to be the first and whatever, even if, whether or not it was accurate. And some people were saying, you know, Gianna died. Some people were saying that she wasn't on the plane, on the helicopter with him. And then once son TMZ, TMZ had me thinking, oh, my man Rick Rick Fox fucking bit the bullet too. I was fucking in shambles. Rick Fox, that man has a million dollar smile in the game of a fucking saint. On the basketball court, you telling me he passed too? Like that was too much for me to process, and it turned out he it, it wasn't true. But I mean, that's just sensationalist journalism for you. But I didn't want to inter- interject. But it's just like it was fucked up. You're yeah. right. That first like initial moment when the news is breaking, they they, they would have you thinking everybody fucking died. Yeah, you know what I mean, I I saw one report that like Colby's whole family. I saw that too. Was on the helicopter. I was like, what the fuck? Like, nah, no fucking way. I would I would have broke down and. Just just fucking cried for years. No way. The whole family. That's some fucked up shit to do, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. That was it's to me. You see this with celebrity deaths all the time, but anytime a major one dies, these fucking these outlets, these news like fucking like entities, they they fucking trip over themselves to report whatever the fuck. And then like 
within 24 hours, it turns out like those initial reports, most of them are bullshit anyway. Yeah, but like, but then they're gonna they're gonna try to get that one report that was right and still claim that they are the first ones to report it. It's a it's 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 a death, man. And I don't I don't know if this is true. I I believe Vanessa heard it through like social media before she got the call. That's fucked. I don't up. know if that's like, true though, but. I, I I definitely I would believe it just because like TMZ like say what you will they're dickheads I'm gonna put it out there first 100%. like the Nickish podcast at least this half of the Nickish former consistent member of the Nickish podcast I'm entrenched in the in the position that like TMZ is a fucking poison on our society you know what I mean but they are good at what they do they will, they will get their shit initially so like ironically enough i don't think tmz was like reporting anything crazy stupid you know what i mean at first it was like i saw i think it was nbc it was just like oh rick fox reportedly on the plane bro i was uh, i told you i was on vacation i was on a fucking cruise ship with barely any cell service so i'm over there like getting text messages randomly at weird ass occasions you know what I mean? About, like, Kobe passing. I'm just fucking scrambling. And then I get, like, reports of fucking Rick Fox dying. First of all, I was, like, a fucking seven-year-old, eight-year-old when this man showed up at the Nickelodeon Awards to pick up a award on the Lakers' behalf. You still talking about Rick Fox? Okay. I'm talking about Rick Fox. He showed up to the Kids' Choice Awards. He picked up the Nickelodeon blimp. I'm eight years old. I barely know shit about basketball at this point. But I'm like, I recognize him. He's a Nickelodeon. He might as well have been fucking Mickey Mouse to me at that point. He was a fucking icon. You know what I mean? Like, and to find to 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 hear he was reported dead. Yo, I don't, like. I think it was NBC. I don't remember who it was. NBC, MSNBC. Fuck them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was some fucked up shit. It was just obviously rest in peace to Kobe. But it was like, why is this random? Like, like why is Rick Fox on this helicopter all of a sudden? And then it the names actually come out. And, it, like, obviously, tragically, it was, like, some coaches yeah. that uh, Kobe had knew. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some like, a teacher. Yeah. yeah, his daughter's friend. So, rest in peace to all of them. Not even just Kobe, not even just, like, Gigi, but just, like, all of them. Rest in peace. Yeah. That's that's the worst fate possible. But it's just, like, also, this is some dark humor shit. Well, where the fuck does Rick Fox come into play over here? <laughs> what connection does Rick Fox have to any of these people? You know what I mean? Like, Kobe's, uh, like, neighborhood softball coach. I don't even think Rick Fox lives in that neighborhood. So, like, where did he come into play? Yeah, <laughs> That's the most like random Laker. <laughs> Imagine him seeing tweets about himself. Yo. My thing was, it was believable just because it was such a random Laker. It was like, oh, it's Rick Fox. Why the fuck would they make this shit up? <laughs> if it was Derek Fisher, I was like, oh, nah, that's fake. You know what I mean? That's just fake. Everybody knows Derek Fisher and Kobe is cool. You know what I mean? Of course, some idiot out there would just make up Derek Fisher was in the helicopter crash. Rick Fox, though? (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel me how ridiculous that is? (laughs) It wasn't Shaq. It wasn't Derek Fisher. It wasn't Robert Ory. Mr. Seven-time Big Shot Rob championship winner Robert Ory. It was Rick Fox (laughs) was, was the other Laker that was on this plane, supposedly. Why? What was the thought process that went into fabricating that portion? You know what I mean? Part of me thinks it was Rick Fox that put that shit out there first. He needed <laughs> some relevance. Yo. Should <laughs> 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 I get his name out? It's been a while since he's been on the... Oh, yo, this is so messed up. <laughs> tell me... No, I mean, yo, you got to laugh to take away the pain. Like, tell me now. Rick Fox, I seen that dude on fucking NBA TV. I bet you he was fucking at the NBA TV studios. <laughs> He at the studio sitting next to Steve Smith. He texting somebody at NBC. Yo, tell him I died. <laughs> tell him I passed. <laughs> I was on. I was on the helicopter. 
why? <laughs> why Rick Fox? I want that explained to me. I saw the reputation. I saw somebody refute it. Just be like, oh, no. Correction. Rick Fox is on the plane. I want the explanation. <laughs> why? <laughs> when somebody gets it that wrong, I need those sources exposed. Was it fucking Chris Boussard that said this, said this shit? Like, what if it was it? That's the funniest part to me. What was, if it was an NBA fucking reporter that put it out there mm. first? But my fault, yeah. I'm just trying to see the comedy in it all. But, like, obviously, what Kobe was to you and me was <clears throat> it can't be said into words. I Like, I say it all the time, but you got to laugh to keep away from the pain. You know what I mean? And I kid you not, the first 24 hours when Kobe died, I was probably the saddest I've been in years, like, on some real shit. Mm-hmm. But then after that, I was just cracking jokes more than I probably ever had in my life, you know? And... I don't know if there's some there's something probably tied to that psychologically. You gotta deal with like fucking sadness with humor, but damn, yeah, we real out here. That's how you gotta deal with it. Like, yo, like look at real life right now. Look at your window right. Now. <laughs> Literally, the government is took away our choice to go to out. be either introverted or extroverted. Mm-hmm. You gotta laugh. You gotta laugh to like keep saying, bro. Yo, I haven't gotten a haircut. Times like I this. haven't gotten a haircut in like six weeks. In a week, my hair is gonna start looking like Ron Baker's hair, and. Rest in peace, it's Ron Baker. Rest in peace, Ron Baker. He's still alive, rest by the way. Peace. But, you know, just not. Nah, 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 nah. He passed. He passed. His NBA career, long, long dead. Long dead. No, he, I, didn't he get a 10-day contract with somebody? Temporarily? I don't know. He might. His his, his NBA career still might be dead. Might have got a 10-day contract on Tinder. <laughs> like, say what you will, but that man's, that man's not ugly. Ron Baker, get him a good haircut. It's a handsome Zach Efron right there. I mean, tell me not. Tell me not. No. Nah, he just he's it, it, Ron Baker looks, on the court. Ronnie being the sh- Ronnie being the sheets. My, my dude looks like banana me. bread. He's just he just looks basic as hell. Yeah, you look like banana he bread. That's like... the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> 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 banana he, bread, my he, man. He basic as fuck right now. <laughs> That's mean. I don't even know how to take that. Do you imagine, like, you fucking, you bump into somebody in the street, you say, the fuck is wrong with you, <laughs> and they call you a banana bread? How you even take that? <laughs> the fuck out of my face, you banana bread fucking looking motherfucker. Like, what? All right, I apologize. <laughs> I don't want to be a banana bread. Well, you know, this this year we haven't got, we haven't heard much about your takes on the Knicks. This this has been uh, one of the most lackluster seasons I've I've ever watched. They're they're what twenty one and something. I mean, at this point, who gives a shit? They're I think the fifth or sixth worst team. The draft lottery is coming up soon, but the you know this year's draft doesn't look that strong. Um, doesn't look like there might there might be like one or two potential superstars. Everybody else is pretty, you know, vanilla or banana bread at this point. Um. Mm. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, yo, what do you, what do, and and like you know, last year we we had a post where we called David Fizzle our man crush Monday, and we were we were very high on him, and then he started the season at like four and thirteen, and everybody is just everybody minus Mitchell Robinson and maybe even Frank Nilakina for for the most part really digressed this season. And who who was the most disappointing player for you or personnel in the Knicks? I mean, first of all, 
David Fisdale. I'm gonna say one thing, and th- and this is like utmost respect. That man was put on this earth to just to just be a talker. You see his wife. You know what I mean. You see how he just conned a whole fan base, a die-hard Knicks fan base, into believing in him, and then he just turned out to be just like a brain-dead Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the wildest part of it all. I look at his wife. I look at his living situation, how many millions he's made. I look at how he just became coach of the Knicks. He's a two-time head coach, mind you. Mm -hmm. And I know we were both like, we had positive feelings about feeling like Fisdale. And I say this with almost respect. That man is a talker, but he's not a doer. And I respect that 1,000%. Because... He's living pretty right now. He's living off of Dolan's like money right now because his, his contract is still being paid out for at least the next two years, I believe. Right? Something like, like he got that. hired what twenty eighteen, I think. Twenty right? S- no, twenty seventeen. No, actually, was it twenty seventeen? Twenty. I think it was twenty eighteen. What year? It's twenty twenty right now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. That's what I'm saying. He signed a four year contract, right? So yeah. he's getting paid through twenty 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 two, right? Yeah. And I'm going to bring it up. His wife. <laughs> this man. Like, let's put it out there. First of all, he's basketball-wise. Like, he probably, he's probably better fit to be an assistant coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's the most generous way for me to describe his head coaching abilities. Because I like him as a man. As, as, a, as a fucking, as a basketball coach. As a tactician. He, you and I, when we recorded that for his first year, we gave him a mulligan. Like, all right, this is this is a tank year. We'll, yeah, we'll let him be. Yeah. His second year, dog, there's nothing more need to be said. You know what I mean? Like, what happened is exactly what needed to happen. That's all I'm going to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> My New Year's resolution this year was to not get too stressed out and just laugh at, like, stressful shit. That's how I treated David Fizdale's fucking tenure. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> as that, that's as much as I could like summarize my opinion on him. But I do respect the way he moves, cause like as soon as he got fired, he showed up on ESPN the next day. I'm just like, Yo, this man's a born hustler. <laughs> <laughs> He's about to talk his way into another job or just be collect that ESPN paycheck. So I respect that fully. You know what I mean? He's a con but, man. That's that's what he is. He's a he's a very nice con man. <laughs> I'm glad you said it and not me. You know what I mean? Because, like, whew, he could be a sociopath for all forte. we know. He's, that's, he's, a, he's a bona fide con man talking his way that's into true. millions of dollars without – he didn't even play in the NBA. I, how did he even get the Miami Heat assistant coaching job? What, what did he do prior? That's, that's the wildest thing, bro. Like, that's, that's, that's the thing that really confounded me the most. And it was just, like, the toughest thing to, like, kind of, like, fucking reconcile as a Knicks fan. He would say the smart shit during a press conference, right? He would talk about pace and space, right? He would talk about versatility. He would talk about, like, the player development. You know what I mean? He, he was touting. You remember when we was, like, recording this shit? You know, every week he was touting that like all his assistant coaching staff was all player development coaches. Mm-hmm. We was we was drinking that Kool Aid, dog. And yo, side note, drinking the Kool Aid—that's a very dark term because I don't know if you realize, but there was a cult the leader called Jim Jones. He he orchestrated a mass suicide of his uh, of his uh, of his followers. 
but via Kool Aid. So that's where that term, that that phrase, "drunk in the Kool Aid." What the hell are you talking about? What? Yeah, Jim Jones. He, look him up, Wikipedia. He literally orchestrated a mass suicide of nine hundred of his followers by having them drink cyanide-infused uh, Kool-Aid. This is this is within the last few decades. This is in nineteen seventy-eight when it occurred. But yes, that's where the whole drinking the Kool-Aid catchphrase or whatever the fuck Holy uh, shit. Um, originated. Yeah, so it's very dark. But to bring that back, that's what David Frizzell had us drinking. He was, he was drinking the Kool Aid filled, filled with cyanide, and then and then we we ended up like uh, on the on the verge of winning number one pick on our second season with him. And this motherfucker got fired. And I'm telling you, bro, I've never been more like hoodwinked and bamboozled by a coach in my life. Like <laughs> it was a while. His pedigree, you know what I mean? Like he came from Miami Heat. Coached on the Spolstra, who was obviously coached on the uh, Pat Riley. So we're just like, okay, this this, this dude is Pat Riley's god godson. You know what I mean? He has this crazy like fucking. Yeah, he has this crazy fucking reputation as a player development guy, under um fucking Spolstra, obviously developing all his people. So we're just like, ah, right, what good money? He'll come in. You know what I mean? He'll fix everything. He'll develop our players. None of that shit happened. Fucking his homeboy Keith Smart. Took Dennis Smith, who oh I love. You brought up who I'm most disappointed with. That's why I'm leading into a DSJ. Motherfucking Keith Smart. I was never on the Dennis Smith Jr. bandwagon. <laughs> nah, no, 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 no. This is not on Dennis Smith. He's he's an innocent party. This 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 dude Keith Smart, the deputy of David Fisdale, of, of supposedly fixed Dennis Smith's shooting. This motherfucker comes in with a jump shot worse than ever before, and he couldn't fucking hit fucking water falling out of a boat. How did that happen, bro? He <laughs> he couldn't hit water falling out of a boat, but before he started this shooting tr- shooting training camp, you know what I mean? That's why Keith Smart's gone. David Fisdale's gone. So. You ask me who my most disappointing person is, Dennis Smith. You already know how big of a fan I was. Yeah. But like, let me hear your thoughts on like what went wrong with him. Because my be, thing is, yeah. l- let me make it clear right now, on a basic level. I'm not. P- I put some bl- obviously there's blame to Dennis Smith. You know what I mean? He's he's a grown ass man. No matter what anybody says, but I don't think he was set up, bro. This 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 franchise. Obviously, you and I were Knicks long suffering Knicks fans. We know, but. David Frizzell was not the right coach. Keith Smart, I don't know where he got the reputation to be a shooting coach. <laughs> Why you and I both that summer was thinking, yo, Dennis, fixing his jump shot. All-star, third year. <laughs> yo, Keith Dumbass just fucking ruined his fucking jump shot. I see shot. what you did there. Yeah, Dumbass. Because <laughs> you see what yeah, I did I there. Did. It was, it was his name clever. is Smart. Sure. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> but, bro, he was... There was no fucking way he goes from being a promising, like, prospect at Dallas, right? <laughs> or even just going back to college. He gets to us. Our shooting coach just makes him worse, and he couldn't shoot, period. How does that happen, bro? But, yo, what are your thoughts on Dennis? Because I wasn't around, obviously, for the Nickish. Um, what was going on during this travesty of the season? Yeah, but I mean. I'll stop ranting and let you, I, let you tell I, you I'm what. not going to lie. I, you know. When that draft when that draft season was there for Dennis Smith Jr., I wasn't too I, I was high on him, but I didn't want him to be drafted. And while he was in Dallas, I I did have high hopes for him as a player. When he came to the Knicks, I was excited. And over the summer, he was posting highlights of him playing scrimmage, and it looked good. His jump shot did not look good, but I'm like, all right, fuck it. If they're saying that they're working on it, I'm sure they're working on it. 
and uh, I I was like, you know, my high optimistic Knicks fanhood brought took the better uh, took the better of me and my judgment, and I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah he, he might potentially be the All Star. Uh, we gave up Porzingis for him. He's putting a lot on his shoulders. He might, you know. He might, you know, rack up like twenty. He said All Star, bro. Oh my goodness. He might rack up like so twenty, hilarious. twenty and six, and like three boards, shooting like forty five percent, and like forty percent uh, from the three. Some, you know, some shit like that. Great numbers. Best point guard on the team. And I was actually at the Boston game, the home, the home opener, and uh, he came in and he just, you know, it's it I. And no one really pays it as much attention to this, but I think Knicks fans are one of the biggest enemies of the Knicks. And the way we react to everything, whether or not it's a potentially good thing or a potentially bad thing, we overdo it to the point where it's always detrimental to the players on the Knicks. And that first game that Dennis Smith Jr. played, and he played horribly. He missed like two or three shots in a row. And there was a We Want Frank chant that, Actually, uh, CP for Knicks Fan TV started. I was right behind it when he was doing it. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, this is going to yeah, fuck yeah. up Dennis Smith Jr. It's going to fuck up uh, Dennis Smith Jr. And then, and then there was that walk back to the bench where he was just – he just he just had that attitude and just – he didn't he didn't want to go back to the bench. And he, his, it was all in the face. Like, he just, he just couldn't hide his disappointment in himself. And uh, I'm sure he got jealous of the love that Frank was getting. And that that it was it just started to go all in his head, and that led to other poor outings. And what he averaged this season, like five points a game. Um, the bo- is it really five points a game? I, yo, I highly I swear to God, I have. I it. highly doubt it's more than six. <laughs> Dog. And what the fuck? This season, like but. like his his stepmom died, and it was just a lot for him to take in mentally, which I which I get. But at the end of the day, like. Your your professional NBA player who we had high hopes for, and we're paying you money to to ball and ball at a high level, and you just weren't doing that. And if your if your shots are not going in, that's one thing. But if your if your demeanor is not what it should be, then that's a problem. And I think that was the difference between him and Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox's shots were not going down, but his attitude was no problem. He was taking shots after the game and you know, he he didn't play that well, but no one had an issue with his attitude and that was a Desmond Jr. problem and he became like a like a Markel Fultz 2.0 in a way. I think the thing with Dennis was like you brought her up. Like obviously like it was his mother that passed away, right? Like so, uh, I think his stepmom. Ta- but yeah, same thing. I mean I, I, yeah, I feel like yeah, she was she was basically his mother basically and it was just like yeah, that's the kind of pain you can't ever fucking replicate or even like comment on unless like you feel it so i'm like i can't i'll give dennis that you know what i mean i'm not gonna be like i definitely see what you're saying like he's got to be professional about it but it's just also like bro he's tw- like he's what 21 22 years yeah. old i can't even imagine going through that shit you know what i mean like your mother figure just passing away so i give him that slack obviously and i'm giving him the slack just because like I'm giving him, like, slack overall just because, I, yo, this coaching staff was just fucking boneheaded, bro. Like, the, like, obviously the we want Frank thing as Dennis is, like, getting the playing time is not a good look. And, like, to to the naked eye, it would make, make it seem like Dennis is at fault or it's just, like, embarrassing for Dennis. You know what I mean? But I saw it as more so, like. I almost say right now. I definitely see your point. It's just like to, well, let to me, uh, players not, and shit not, that probably don't look as good. You know what I mean? Just like players 
chanting for somebody right. else when another player's coming in. Like, I definitely feel that 1,000%. It's not a bad look. I didn't think it was a good look either, so I'll feel you on that. But to me, like, even if the tra- chance wasn't a good look, I think it was more so just like them bemoaning like a systemic issue. You know what I mean? It was just like, it wasn't them like rooting against Dennis. It was them showing up Fisdale, you know? That's to me. That's how I took the chant, and it's how I took just like how the fans were reacting. Period. Any chant at that point, up until Fizzle was fired, it was a direct like shot at Fizzle. Right. You yeah. know. But if and, and like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like the the at the end of the day, the players just ended up being like like they was caught in the crossfire, and and I feel like the Fizzle hate wouldn't have been as hard if we didn't if it was like. Yo, if he was just coming off the 90s of success and Fizzo was the first coach and he was just this ass, he wouldn't have gotten that kind of, like, just, you know, like, the fucking, the hate that he did get. But it was like, Fizzo came in under the premise that, yo, he comes from an established program, an established culture of success, and he's going to bring that pedigree. Yo, he's a Pat Riley, uh, you know, student. He's an Eric Spolster student. Uh, D-Wade and LeBron love him, right, obviously. So he came in with this quote-unquote pedigree, and after, like, obviously a long period of fucking ineptitude, of just straight-up, just, like, mediocrity, of just boneheaded coaching, Fizdale came in um, after leading a Memphis playoff team, mind you, obviously, as well. They had a playoff uh, um, appearance in his first season. Um, Mike Conley um, raved about him. He apparently had his best scoring season, if I don't— if, if memory serves correctly. So Fizzo was coming in on top of all of that and, and just, like, him being the exact opposite of it. You know, we expected him to just, like, build off of a bad tanking season and have us, like, what, 30, 35 wins? We was on pace to be worse than his first season, bro. Like, in terms of win percentage. So I think that's where it all, that's wh- that's that's where the chance came from. It was just more so against Fizzo. So... Obviously, I definitely see the point. Like on a on a one to one surface level, it was a bad look. Like Knicks fans just looked bad because we was basically turning on our own player. But I think if you look deeper, if you just do a little bit, like if not you, but it was just like on a general way, if like to an outsider, like that's not like really aware of Knicks Twitter or just even what's going on with the Knicks community, Knicks fan community. If you look at it, if you look at past the surface level, you see why them, why we cheered like that, or why the fans cheered like that, why they cheered for Frank. It wasn't against Dennis, cause it could have, it could have been, I don't know, it could have been fucking Marco Fultz himself, or it could have been any other. No, player. no, I don't. It could. I don't. I don't think. I'm not saying the chant was against Dennis. I think I was saying it was more so against. It was against Fizdale to substitute Dennis for for Frank and to bring Frank out. Dennis was calling the crossfire, but his body language coming out of the game was a problem. But David Fizdale yeah, taking yeah. too long to sub him out was the biggest problem that everybody – and that's yeah. why we're getting fed up because he just kept breaking shots and he should have been subbed out. But Fizdale just kept him in. Yeah, and, like, obviously, like, I haven't been able to kind of give my Knicks takes, but it feels like going, definitely going into the season, it felt like Steve Mills, Scott Perry, a lot of their faith relied on, like, Dennis taking that next step. If Dennis became that all-star, their quote-unquote plan would probably look a lot better. You know what I mean? Like, Julius Randle wouldn't be... like. First of all, I love that signing, Julius Randle. Nope. Like, I'm doing a 180 on that, but we'll get to that later. But circling back to Dennis, 
I feel like we wouldn't be complaining about Julius. We wouldn't be complaining about Portis if Dennis actually took that leap. That like not only just us optimists. I feel like one thousand percent Scott Perry and Steve Mills. Them dudes was counting on Dennis to take that leap. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if you remember, but that summer when like Dennis like there was videos coming out about Dennis working out during the summer yep. and like him like running scrimmage or having runs with the team. It would be like I think it would be like Ian Bagley or like one of these new reporters would just be like, "Oh, you know the veterans on the team. They're talking about Dennis. He he he's the guy. You know, he he <laughs> he he's looking legit. You know, all this little like those ambiguous fucking vague reports that you see every summer about certain players, yeah. and they was they was talking about Dennis like he was fucking Michael Jordan in practices <laughs> like. There was, like, fucking Ian Bagley put up a vague report about how, like, oh, the veterans on our team, they hear people underrating them. They're, they're talking about, like, we're going to we're gonna, uh, we're gonna shoot past expectations. Yo, bu- <laughs> bully season. <laughs> Dead ass. So these motherfuckers talking about bully season. Always oh, just, like, fucking Alfred Prane and uh, fucking Julius Randle and Bobby Portis on Twitter getting spicy. Protect you know, the garden. Talking about, like, yeah, exactly. Motherfucker, hey. <laughs> Y'all just fucking pathetic. And the only person I don't fucking fault is Marcus Morris. It's because he's a fucking goon, period. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when he said protect the garden, he, he probably literally meant protect the guardian. The garden, you know what I mean? Like, if somebody actually tried to invade that bitch, Marcus Morris would be there with a spear and a fucking hammer. I don't know. Like, he's, he's there for the smoke. He wasn't talking about basketball. <laughs> These other players, though, like... I don't know. It was just like going back to last summer. My point was just like they was talking about Dennis in like vaguely, quote unquote, mythical terms. You know what I mean? You'll be hear like vague reports about like, yo, he's, his jumper's looking wet during the workouts. Mm-hmm. Like oh shit, Keith Smart, he got his jumper right. Right. It was the exact opposite, bro. <laughs> That's the funniest shit about it. Like as like the wor- you and I had optimistic expectation probably the last time you and I spoke about them about like our expectations yeah. for a season. You were probably the most negative of us, but we we still was in that 30 to 35 win ballpark. Mm-hmm. That was so crazy optimistic, you know what I mean? Because it's just like the worst that season could could have gone, it went, you know what I mean? Like Dennis, they was talking about him improving his jumper. He came back, his jumper got worse. That's crazy. <laughs> you know how wild that is when a man that like shoots like he's a blind person comes back and he shoots like he's a blind person with one <laughs> arm? That's Dennis. Yo, we got to get Lonzo's coach to come to the Knicks. I don't know who the hell coached him and got his shot back or shot, like, changed and improved. We got to bring that man. Leon Rose got to bring that man to New York. Or or just or just I'm, ship out Dennis Minjir. I'm cool with that, too. Yeah, I think Dennis is a goner. I hope. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I think he's out of here this summer. I think Julius is out. Yo, you know what? Since we're here, I was a fan of Julius of the signing. But, yo, it's good. I don't know why I went against my one of my core tenets. My core tenets is if the, if, if the motherfucker is fucking retarded, like he ain't got no fucking basketball IQ, you can't count on him. But then I went into the season fucking gassing up Julius Randle or Dennis Smith. See what I mean? So like the eggs on my face. You know what I mean? Like how am I going to have hope in two fucking pure fucking dumbasses? Now, uh, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people would disagree with me on my Julius Randle take. I he was a very frustrating player, no doubt about. It. The turnovers were really stupid. His his Are you going to tell me he's good? No. But him bringing up the ball, <laughs> him bringing up the ball nonstop what was not, you know, 
the right way to do it, but, but Fizdale was enabling him to do that, and it was when Miller came in when he stopped doing that as much. But yeah, it's just it's just a lack of passing. Overall, what I want to say is if if Randall gets traded, I'd be happy. But if he's still on the team, I wouldn't be as mad though. Just because he's still 25 years old, he still he still has there's still multiple things that he's able to do on a court as a power forward with that I like. And if he can just cut down the turnovers and just increases his, you know, basketball IQ with better coaching, which I hope with Miller or, you know, whoever comes on afterwards, I think he can still be a very good player. My thing is, is like... And he wasn't that overpriced I, either. I, what was it, 16 million? We still have, we still have contract, cap space. His, yeah. <laughs> I brought up, like, him and Dennis being dumbasses because that's what they are. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it was so fuck. I saw a tweet the other day. It was just like... It was a video of a gorilla just fucking spinning around in a fucking zoo encasing. And the caption was fucking Julius Randle when he goes into the paint. That's what it is. You know what I mean? That's literally what it is. This motherfucker gets into the paint. He closes his eyes and it's just like whatever whatever happens after he spins around as a hokey pokey, that's what happens. You know what I mean? It could be a turnover. It could be a brick. Could be him passing it to somebody who turns it over. You know what I mean? Could be him throwing it out of bounds to the ref. You know what I mean? It could be him fucking forcing up a fucking like garbage ass layup that he sometimes somehow gets fouled on. I think I think rarely. if he's like the second or third best player on the team, he'll be fine. I think I think he just he just couldn't handle the the pressure of being the leader in New York and being the top scorer on the team, and that that's my biggest that's thing. What led like my to, biggest. Yeah. My biggest positivity was about about him was his how fucking efficient he was on offense, just coming off the bench in uh, in, in New Orleans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then like I was like positive about just like the chemistry he had with Alfred Payton, obviously. And it, this is probably being covered ad nauseum on Nick's podcast, but it was just like this Julia Ra- just Julius Randall and Alfred Payton like connection ended up fucking the Knicks because. They didn't. Neither one passed to anybody right. else at the frequency that they would pass to each other, mm-hmm. and that just ended up fucking us because neither one can shoot consistently. Neither one is is a, is a particularly gifted passer. You know what I mean? Um, Julius is turnover prone, so when those two kind of players mix and become like in, infatuated each other and passing to each other, that's not a good. That's not good for an offense. You know what I mean? And you, I, I remember when we signed Peyton. I remember like an episode last summer. I was like, you know, I like it as a backup, like point guard. But we're the Knicks, so we ended up making Peyton our franchise point guard somehow. Somehow, in Frank's third year, when it became clear he needed playing time, he got less playing time than he was entitled to. Mm-hmm. Again, again, you know what I mean? And this is two head coaches. And Mike Miller started off nice. I remember, I th- I'm pretty sure, like, our, like you know, the Knicks defense ended up, like, statistically, efficiency-wise, we were decent on the Miller. Right. So I give him props for that. Like, I'm down to keep Miller as, like, a defensive assistant, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he was bad, too, in terms of just, like, playing the young kids together. And, like, we never, like, our young kids of, like, Mitch, Knox, Frank, Dennis, RJ, you look at, like, the statistical numbers and never played nearly enough together. So, I mean, we've been rambling about the current Knicks too much, but it's just like my point is just, like, 
literally anybody that was skeptical of like our Knicks plan during the summer of the Knicks, what they were doing, their free agency moves, ev- like the the people you and I were clowning as chicken littles or hmm. just like, oh, they're just Knicks haters. It was right. You know what I mean? Like we got to call a spade a spade. Like sometimes like it's it's an institutional kind of systemic issue. And I'm just glad like circling back to the present day that we got Steve Mills the fuck oh, out of here. Oh, 100%. Like, Thank God. Like, yeah, bro, when we started this podcast, that was the biggest thing. Like, you and I, we were both willing to give Scott Perry a chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In terms of positivity, optimism. Steve Mills, we were both side-eyeing. You know what I mean? And it turned out he was the one that was just like... If if Scott Perry was, like, bringing some sort of, like, kind of insight to the, to the table, Steve Mills was, like, bringing negative value to the table. Because this motherfucker, apparently he wanted to trade the farm for D'Angelo Russell. Oh, You know yep. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Scott Perry was like, nah, did, yo, what did the he say? Did he say about? Ian Mahimi at a point? He what? said some, he, he, he mentioned some scrub. I, I don't know from where, maybe from the Pacers. But yeah, once they once they mentioned that, Dolan was like, nah. <laughs> you hear the name, Bro. he's like, nah. <laughs> it's, some, it's some guy on Ian Mahimi's caliber, basically. Some scrub. Yeah, and w- I'll be honest with you, when Steve Mills got fired, and I know you and I kind of working back through history because we need to record back then, but it was like when Steve Mills got fired, I was like, dog, this might be a new day because Steve Mills is like, he's literally like a human embodiment of everything that's been wrong with the Knicks for the last 20 years. Just like favoritism, like mediocrity, and just... um. Like, being close to Dolan. Like, being kept around just because you have a relationship with Dolan. Yep. That's, like, the institutional problem with the Knicks. And Steve Mills was that. You know what I mean? Like, look at how many regimes we've had. You know what I mean? We've had Phil Jackson. We've had, like, Glenn Grunwald when Steve Mills suddenly got brought back. Glenn Grun- Grun- Grunwald got fired. Even after we had a 54-win mm-hmm. season, Steve Mills takes over. You know what I mean? Why? You know what I mean? Just because he's like Dolan trust him, quote unquote. Dolan also tried to trusted Isaiah Thomas and this this motherfucker fucking um sexually assaulted somebody and cost the MSG company sixteen million. You know what I mean? So Dolan's literally like judgment of people, judgment of front office personnel is very askew. Yeah. And they're all scared Dolan. They're just gonna do whatever they can to make him happy, which is which is why I like the Leon Rose signing, because this man is this man is a scary guy. Like Dolan would not want to fuck with Leon Rose. Gonna find himself exactly. in a body bag yeah. if he fucks with Leon Rose. Yo, exactly. And that's the thing, like, yo, people like if people have been listening to Nick Ash since we started, you know we we might have an optimistic slant on things, you know what I mean? But the reason why I'll be, you know, full, like, like transparency. I was optimistic about Phil. I was optimistic about, like, Scott Perry uh, with Steve Bill's partnership. Excuse me. But this, I feel like Leon Rose, you know what? This is probably going to bite me in the ass just like it did before. Just like how I said about Scott Perry being different. You know what I mean? But I feel like Leon Rose is different just because this motherfucker, he was a power agent. You know what I mean? Like an NBA agent that was, like... Within, like, if it was Rich Paul, it was in Leon Rose in that pecking order. You know what I mean? Like, he was that notorious and, like, known amongst agents. If this man gave up all that just to come run our, our, our organization, I take that as a big sign. Because, like, agents got it made, bro. Like, 
you look at Leon Rose's client list for like the last ten years, mm-hmm. it's it's an A list kind of list. You know what I mean? We got Melo, LeBron, we got Joel Embiid. Like that's those are three generational players right there, and Leon Rose had them as like clients. Forget, forget Melo and LeBron right now. We got they got Devin Booker and Cat on it. Exactly, Carl yeah, Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, all them dudes. You know what is, I mean? Do you know Leon Donovan Rose Mitchell's on that like, list? Nah. Is I want to know. That's, that's what I'm curious about because that's he he's the guy who I'm keeping my eye on next. I mean, I got some. Th- Yo, first of all, New York Daily News, Christian Winfield. Uh, do you know who that is? He's like, so he's a fucking Nets writer. No, he's a fucking retard. That's who he is. Because like, m- my man Schwinny Poo for the posting and toasting. Mm-hmm. Back when I was like active on a Nickish account, I was uh, I was like, uh, had, had kind of a rapport with that dude. He's a he's a like, you talk about like sassy like fucking you asshole guys have a lot brown of dudes. Yeah, sassy <laughs> asshole brown dudes that like have uh, that are very opinionated about the yep. Knicks. My man, Shwini Poo, me and him, same boat. You know what I mean? We should link up, do some shit together. But this man said fucking... Yo, what was I talking about? Christian Wakefield. <laughs> <laughs> Christian bad. Wakefield of the Daily News. What did Shwini Poo say about him? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. You could edit that, but you just keep it if it's funny. No, nah, this shit's but, uncut. Uh, <laughs> uncut, unedited. It don't matter. We're keeping that. <laughs> okay, I saw this on Twitter, too. But it was uh Cushion like so Shwini P was on the, <laughs> the Nick's Film School podcast. Shwini Poo. He was on Nick's Film School podcast and then um he tweeted about it too. But Christian Winfield for the New York Daily News posted an article saying like yo, the Knicks should give up whatever it fucking takes for fucking Donovan Mitchell. Give up Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, oh, all nah. our picks just to get Donovan Mitchell. And um, you know, Donovan Mitchell like slid to number eight in the 2017 draft. I saw and, that. And I Sh- saw that. And then Schwinney just fucking tore that motherfucker to pieces. Because, like, it's a fact. First of all, Mitchell did not slide to number eight. He got picked at number 13, which was high to, for him. You know what I mean? Because every, like, projection at that time said Mitchell was a late lottery yep. pick. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I remember. So, it's like, if, if if anybody right now in the year 2020, the year of our Lord, <laughs> the year of Jesus Christ, <laughs> Muhammad Issa, our prophet, says that Donald Mitchell slid to number eight, that's bullshit. You're going to hell and you're dying, <laughs> motherfucker. Because, like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> this motherfucker, if, he, if we took him at eight, swear to God, everybody, every fucking projectionist, every analyst at the time would say we reached. Because mm-hmm. that's what it would have been. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I remember you and I, you and I was very, like, keyed into that draft. I brought up Donald Mitchell as a possibility. You said you was okay with him at a prospect. And you and I were both okay with him at a prospect, but we both agreed eight would be too high. Yep. You know what I mean? At that point, it was either Frank or Dennis. So this motherfucker, Christian Winfield, puts out an article of, De- of, of Daily News, and he says that uh, the Knicks let Donovan Mitchell slide to eight, and then they didn't pick him. And then, two, we should give up whatever it takes to get him because we suck at drafting. Schwinney pretty much exactly like summarized my points. One, Christian Winfield is a fucking retard. Two, if you if you telling us that we suck at drafting, and the and 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 the solution to that is to trade all our draft picks for a guy, then you are an idiot. Because the solution to us sucking at drafting is not to give up our picks so easily. Mm-hmm. It's literally to become better at drafting and developing. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's as simple as that. 
So you brought up Donald Mitchell. That's what it brought up this fucking Christian Winfield shit. But my point is just like with Leon Rose coming in and Donovan Mitchell, whether he's a, a, a Leon Rose client or not, if we go after him, I'm I'm cool with pursuing Donovan Mitchell. I don't think we should give up the farm for him. You know I, I, mean? I agree. What do you think? Now, is it? Do you not like Scott Perry anymore? Because I personally would be, I would be, I'd be content with retaining Scott Perry. Because for the most part, his moves have been sound, with a few exceptions like Alfred Payton. He he does have his favorites that he likes to sign, but as I mean, the minutes that Alfred got, I don't think should go on Scott Perry, but um. I wouldn't mind keeping Scott Perry as someone who has that general manager experience. I I would be more comfortable with him trying to decide what we would trade for a guy like Donovan Mitchell. I want Leon Rose to open the door for us to get to it and to get everybody in the room and make the client feel more comfortable or not client but like the player. But Scott Perry, I would trust <laughs> to, <laughs> Scott Perry. I would trust to make like a savvy move so we don't like give up you know the whole load for for a player. Son, I'm dying. You said client because it's like <laughs> we both Freudian like slip. similar fields of work. So it's just like, yo, it's exactly what it is. We fucking spend our day in Zoom meetings at work. You know what I mean? So this is similar. But, um, yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like, the thing with Scott Perry is what kind of – um, so it was obvious when Mills got fired that there was definitely a rift between him and, and him and Perry. Mills definitely seemed like he wanted to give up the farm for D'Angelo Russell yeah. or – some short-term solution to keep his job. Perry was like, nah, like, let's, like, I think it was like Mills wanted to keep Morris for quote-unquote culture, right? But um, Perry wanted to train him for the first-round pick, which is what ended up happening, yep. right? So I think that in itself, to me, if it was up to me, I would keep Perry, but, like, I would probably just, like, reassign him. I wouldn't make, keep him as general manager. I would probably make him, like, I don't know, like, consultant, or like I think David Blatt was a consultant, nah, right? He left like after Mil- Steve Mills left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like Mills brought him in as a consultant. Right. I keep Perry as a consultant. You know, keep him on the payroll because like you and I both are in the corporate business world. Like the cliche they say in in, in that business world is just like, oh, you know, another set of eyes can never hurt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that they say that all the fucking time. I don't know about your job, but they say it about yeah. mine. You know what I mean? Like if you you have somebody come in and give like an opinion or an input, that's always useful. So I'd keep Perry around for that, but even if I like Perry, my thing is just like if you bring in a new president of basketball operations, you should give that man like freedom to just like make his own staff changes or whatever he wants, you know? Like it shouldn't be up to like Dolan to say like oh, you got to keep Perry. Yeah, no, it should be. I I, yeah. I agree with that. I'm fine. I'm saying like if Leon Rose decides to keep Scott Perry, I'd be happy with that. But if he decides to switch him out. That would be reasonable for him to make, you know, for him to assign his own number two. Um, that that'd be fine. But like, no I, I like the fact that Scott Perry snitched on Steve Mills because it, it was his own job that was on the line, and he wasn't willing to make the same risk that Steve Mills was about to make to save his own ass. And I'm sure he knew that if he got a D'Angelo Russell, half of Knicks fans, the you know, the dumb side, would have been happy with that. You know, but and oh, same, no same with Marcus Morris. No a lot doubt. of people wa- really, actually, for some reason, wanted to retain Marcus Morris uh, for whatever reason. And, and and the funny thing is that when Marcus Morris joined the Clippers, he regressed. He, like that percentage, that forty five percent, was not there anymore. Because it was oh, so obvious. Guess what? Bro. It was not sustainable. Literally, you don't got to be a mathematician to realize that. Like the whole idea of regression to the mean 
is like that's a legitimate concept. You know what I mean? This man Morris is like he's thirty years old, shooting better than he has in his entire life. Like a blind man could have seen it a mile away that like he would go to his new team and not shoot as well. You know what I mean? Like so, I think that was a brilliant move. Getting even just getting a late first round yeah. pick for him, a great move. So if Scott Perry. It, you know, I tip my cap to him. <laughs> like, if, if he was fucking, if he was the driving force behind that, yo, sure, like, give him props for that. But my thing with Perry seems to be that, like, I don't think he knows how to put together a team. Like, there's a there's a dude on Twitter, his name is Brian, his name is Brian Geberman. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a pretty insightful dude. His biggest thing was just, like, if Perry's, like, big, even if he drafts well, quote-unquote, you know what I mean? His biggest indictment is he doesn't know how to put together a team, you know, because it seemed to be that, like, he had, like, if Mills was, like, okaying all the signings this summer, it was Perry that was making those signings, you know what I mean? So Perry's, like, team-filling f- philosophy seems to be just get a bunch of guys that know how to create their own shot, but that don't necessarily fit together. To me, that's an indictment. Like, but see, we, we were, like, we were okay with the moves summer. that he made at the time because – what were the main deficiencies of, of last year's Knicks? Their three-point shooting, lack of veteran leadership, and uh, lack of stretch forwards. And he did get he while they signed four power forwards. You know, two of them were able to play a center position. Almost all the players that they signed had at least a forty percent three-point clip. Even Bobby Portis, even Randall, Wayne Ellington. These guys know how to shoot the three. I think the only questionable sign was Alfred Payton at the time. And Fine. They want to bring him in for for veteran leadership and guidance or whatever the hell. They're all one year signings, so they were there wasn't much risk involved with it. I don't know if there were many better moves than they could have done last year, especially after you lose out on Katie and Kyrie when the whole year everybody was saying ninety seven percent chance the Knicks were getting them. I think for the conditions that they were under, the moves that they made were were B and the only thing that could have made it an A was if they signed Kevin Durant or Kyrie. I see that for sure, but it's also just like Perry. No matter what, Perry. No matter what, he was a fucking advocate for Alfred Payton. Right. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if you saw, but like there was a report that Alfred Payton signed because he was promised a starting spot. Mm-hmm. And I don't see anybody else in our front office, top to bottom, that would promise that front office that starting spot besides Scott right. Perry. So that to me, that's that's a demerit. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, a mark against him. And then, two, like, yeah, that's a fact. We were both, like, on an optimistic side. We were high on the signings to lead us to a 30-35 win team. And that 35 win, like, win pace didn't happen because David Fiswell didn't measure up to, like, even our lowest expectations right. of, like, what he would be as a coach. So I wouldn't put, put that against Scott Perry. But... I think the biggest thing was, is just like, I don't know who it was. It could have been Mills, it could have been Perry, but Marcus Morris becoming available all of a sudden, obviously to us was a benefit, but I don't think we would have signed Portis if Marcus Morris was like, was down to sign with us, you know what I mean? Like from the start, you know, he, it was only after he decided against San Antonio that we was just like, I will right, we'll sign him. And Reggie Bullock had to have had, like, a bad physical for us to even afford, like, Marcus Morris. You remember that? So my thing is, like, on the surface, those signings wasn't bad. It was just, like, there was a confluence of events that led them to be bad. And, two, 
David Fristo ended up being worse. Which, you know what I mean? Like, we could say that, like, Fisdale was a dumbass, but then that's a mark against Scott Perry, too, is it not? You know, because he, he, him and Mills hired Steve Mills 2018, you know? So, it, it all ties together. So, he signed the dudes that, that, that Fisdale couldn't use, and Fisdale was a dude that ho- was hired by Perry. So, at the end of the day, like, you and I, or at least me, from my perspective, I had positive opinions of Perry, but, I mean... I I mean I'm indifferent at this point. Yeah, if we could, like I'm willing yeah. to give him another shot. I wouldn't be mad if he stuck around. But if Leon Rose is like, nah, get the fuck out of here. I was like, all right, man, Leon got it. <laughs> I mean, if he had, if he could get someone like uh like a what's his name, Bobby Webster, I think is his name, Toronto Raptors GM. If he could get a guy like that, I'm cool with Scott Perry. I'm not I'm not in love with him, but I'm not saying I'm not you know calling for his outing. But listen, it's been I think we should try to wrap this one up because it's been hour and fifteen. We got plenty more to talk about. Uh, since it's quarantine, we got no, what else are we gonna do? All right, bro. I think we're just gonna we're gonna wrap this one up. There's we we have nothing else to do. So and there aren't that many sports things going on right now. So we gotta we gotta let the fans. There's no sports things. There are literally going on right no now, sports bro. things. Right. Actually, no. WWE is apparently an essential business if you consider that a sport. Um, Drew McIntyre, WWE champion. Shout out to my homie, the Scottish, <laughs> the Scottish psychopath. My dog. And, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Tune in next week for a, DBZ, uh, to, for a WWE um, uh, discussion. Okay, we might talk about WWE. Why not? Um, yeah, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try to space this one out for the fans and keep them, keep them coming back to hear more about the shit that we got to talk about because we talk about essential stuff. You and I are now essential workers for COVID. And Corona, I miss this time. We're needed. The world needs us. We're here to save the planet with our talks. Oh yeah, most definitely. Adam Silver shot me a text like, "Yo, you, you need to get back at it, bro." Like the world needs Nickish. I was like, "Who is this?" And he said, "Adam Silver." I was like, "I don't believe it." Then he then he sent me a dick pic, and it was very awkward. That's when I called you for help. For our listeners that are very confused about how this occurred, that's literally how it went down. That's how Nilo is like, all right, we need to record. Focus, Nilo. That's our third party. He's kind of a bitch. <laughs> all right, so now now we're gonna we're gonna wrap this shit up. Uh, to all the listeners, thank you guys again for listening to the Nickish Show. Uh, follow us on IG and Twitter at Nickish Show. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, website. Check us out and. Uh, this is a quarantine edition of the Nickish Show with your co-founders, co-hosts, Mo and Nafi. And we will be back for another quarantine edition of the show. Thank you guys for, for listening and check us out for next time. Peace. I'm a little rusty, so uh, is this where I say peace or not? Is this where I say mm-hmm. peace? All right, all right. You mentioned the YouTube channel. Yo, you got a YouTube channel yeah, now? Check That's out. crazy. Yeah. All right, all right. I'm about to hop on that bitch right now, but... Uh, Oh, let me. Uh, oh, I'm a little rusty. Hold up. Oh, peace.